Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 320. Today, I want to talk to you from the Gospel of John and primarily from the book of 1 John. And I want to talk to all of us who are believers, those who have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, thoroughly repented of your sins, turned to God alone, and you have trusted Jesus to save you from your sins, not your works of righteousness, not keeping commandments, not keeping Torah, not following traditions, but trusting alone in the sacrificial work that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, was buried, rose again from the dead. When we talk about that, we're talking about Jesus, the Messiah. Now, the Gospel of John, which I love to read, because it is so clear, deep, yes, but clear and simply presented. The Gospel of John presents Jesus as the Son of God. It's like a gospel track, like a good news track. And John wrote this book so that we would understand that Jesus is the Messiah. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor, from what John said? In John chapter 20 and verse 30, Here's what John, the apostle, who leaned his head on the bosom of Jesus the night in which he was betrayed, this is what he said. And truly, Jesus did many other signs, Simeon, miracles, in the presence of his disciples, that is, so they could see the evidence of who he was, which are not written in this book in the Gospel of John. But these, that is, these incidents that he had chosen, and he chose seven signs or miracles, the word Simeon, that Jesus did that only God could do. He chose seven sayings that Jesus said that only God in the presence of others could say. But these things are written that you may believe, that you may trust that Yeshua, that Jesus, is the Christos the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Anointed One, who is the Son of God, and that believing, continuing to believe, you may have life in His name. You see, Jesus has come to give us life, not death. Jesus said He has come to give us life, not only life, but life overflowing, life more abundantly. That doesn't mean the abundance of things. It means the abundance of the knowledge of who he is, walking in him, purpose to know why we're on this earth and for what purpose God put us here, what we are to accomplish. He's given us a life of meaning and depth. But the thief, he comes not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan wants to ruin your life. And John brought this sharp contrast to life. And so he presented all of these things and the ultimate miracle, the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross, his burial and his subsequent resurrection and his ascension, all of these things John presents so that we would understand that Jesus is the Son of God that he presented to us as the great creator, as God Almighty in John chapter 1. But First John is a different story. 1 John was written for a different purpose, not to show that Jesus is the Son of God, 
that he is the Christos, the Mashiach, but so that believers would know by what John wrote to them, whether they were truly in the family of God, whether they had truly trusted Jesus to save them, whether they were the born ones of God, the little children of God born into the family. Now, we know that John uses more than one term for children. Sometimes he refers to weos, which are the sons of God, the mature sons of God. But when he talks about the born ones, he is usually talking about the children, those who are born again, as he uses in John chapter 3, that term. And so in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, we have the purpose of the book of 1 John. These things I have written to you who believe, those who believe, not writing to those who do not believe to show them that Jesus is the Messiah as the gospel of John's purpose was. But here he is writing to those and had written to those who already believed that Jesus is the Son of God. They've already believed in who he was, and that they may know that they have eternal life, and that they might continue in that life. You see, the marks of assurance in the Bible is not that you prayed some prayer back in time, but that your life conforms to the Word of God that the same qualities that were in Jesus are in you. Because you see, Christ in us is the hope of glory, the expectation of glory. The Holy Spirit within us is the presence of Jesus within us, the presence of God within us. And that presence causes us to want to walk in obedience, to want to walk in obedience, not to want to walk in disobedience. If somebody says, well, you know, I want to do my own thing. Well, maybe you haven't gotten it. Because it's not about what we want to do. We're bought with a price. That's why Paul said, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which belong to God. So John wrote that you and I could know beyond any doubt that we are saved. And he gave us a series of tests, plumb lines that we can put up against our own experience and our own conduct and our own attitude in relation to the Word of God. After all, the Bible is the final authority, not just in every area of life, but in our own salvation. If our lives do not conform to the Word of God on a consistent basis, then we're deeply out of the will of God. We have gone astray, we have been deceived, or we have never been born again to begin with. Now, I'm not trying trying to cause someone to doubt, but folks, we are living in a time of war, of spiritual warfare. And we need the soldiers of God to understand that they really have enlisted in the army. And whether they are one of us or whether they're going to turn coat and run the moment that the bullets start flying, because they're about to start flying, if you haven't realized, and in the United States, they've already been flying worldwide. This last century, we had more persecution of the church of Jesus worldwide than any time in the last 2,000 years, yes, including the first century. What I'm telling you is persecution is coming to America and to a state and a community near you in the days ahead. I'm warning you ahead of time it's coming, but it's been worldwide for some time, but we live in this cocoon and bubble in the United States of a lack of persecution, and somebody doesn't like us and calls us a hater or a racist, and all of a sudden, we're ready to turn tail and run and say, well, I, I don't want to offend them because I might want to win them to Jesus. Well, the way you win them to Jesus is telling them the truth and loving them enough to share the truth of God, not just the truth that Jesus says, but all of the Bible, the story of God. 
And John said, even he starts in the second chapter giving these these tests. He says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And the concept here is that we have known him and we continue to know him. That's that we know him is in the perfect tense. That means that there was a point in time when we came to know him. And if we have truly come to know him, we still know him today and we act like it. Now, that doesn't mean we're sinless, but it should mean we sin less. It does mean when we go astray and that God will chastise us. Those of us who can just live our lives any way we want to without any kind of discipline, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12 that if you and I can live a life that is characterized by sinning and we don't have discipline for that, we are bastards. We're illegitimate children. We are not children of God at all. We're just fooling and deceiving ourselves. And he says, now by this, by what? Do we know that we know him, that is, that that we have come to know him and still know him, if we keep his commandments? That's an amazingly simple statement. That is, we presently know that we have known him and continue to know him if we continually keep his commandments. In other words, it's the habit of our lives. It's not something we occasionally do when it's going to bring us good fortune. No, it is something we do as the desire of our heart. You see, it has to do with the heart. This is why the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. That's not talking about your blood pumper. The word cardia is used in the Septuagint over 800 times, and it is never once used for the blood pumper. It is used for the innermost being of a man. That is the deepest part of him. It goes along with the splagna, with the bowels, with that which is the seat of our will, our emotions, everything that is the deepest part of us. We've got to know that we know him, that we love him, that we care for him, that we're walking with him, and that if we're not, something's wrong, and we will seek to repent and change that. You see, many of God's children haven't realized that our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God, once we're saved, our relationship is maintained once and for all eternally by Jesus. This is why, again, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, wherefore he ever lives to make intercession for us. We are saved to the uttermost, to the very end. Why? Because he ever lives to make intercession for us. As long as Jesus is alive, you and I who have committed ourselves to him, we've committed everything we are to him, we can trust him that he's going to keep that which we have committed unto him forever until the day when we see him and we are complete in him and freed from the presence of sin completely. And so he says that if we keep his commandments, that is, if we do what he says, God expects his children to obey him. Now, he doesn't expect those who are not his children to obey him, but he does expect those who are his children to obey him. If you look at uh, chapter 3, he uh, talks about little children, let no one deceive you. That's the word planao. It means to deviate you from the path to lead you astray. Don't be deceived. Don't go down a detour route. Stay on the main road. Little children, here's this term of endearment, little born ones, let no one lead you 
Panao, deviates you from the right path. He who practices righteousness is doing that because he is righteous in Jesus. He is positionally where he needs to be with God. There again, Jesus maintains our relationship with him. But listen to me. Please listen to me. Whereas Jesus maintains our relationship with him and it is eternal, our fellowship is maintained as we confess our sin when we sin and we walk in obedience to him. And when we sin, we repent of that sin and we confess that to God and we walk in obedience. That's how fellowship is maintained. So you could say that our relationship is maintained by the Lord Jesus and it's eternal. Our fellowship is moment by moment as we walk in obedience to him. And if we stray from that fellowship, if we sin, then we repent of that sin. We confess that sin. We agree with God about that sin. And then God forgives us and cleanses us from that sin. And the fellowship is restored. That's moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. Listen, in fellowship with God, there is no seniority with God. The moment you code, the moment you stop making any effort to walk with God, you're going to drift. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews says. He says, beware lest what you have heard drift. You disobey it and in unbelief, you walk away from it, then you are adrift. You don't have to do anything to drift, just stop making effort. Well, that's the whole idea here. You can't start coasting. There's no place when you have seniority with God and you say, now I can rest on what I've done so far. No, you cannot. The moment you do that, you start downhill. Now listen, just think about this. Do you want to go the next level with God? Do you want to walk in a deeper walk with God? Well, that's never downhill. That's always uphill. That's always walking in the heavenly way. We're pressing on. We're in the upward way. We're we're in the heavenly way. We're no, we're not going downhill. No, if you let go and you stop pedaling a bike, you're going to coast, but the only way you can coast is downhill. You don't coast uphill. You don't go the next level up, you go the next level down. And none of us want to do that in our walk with God. So he said, in order to truly know that we are the children of God, we need to continue to practice righteousness. He talks about loving. He says in chapter 4 and verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. Now think about that. This is the word agapao. It's agape as, as it's worded in some places. But this whole idea of agape, if you trace back to the root of agape, you will see that agapao is a love that is based in the one doing the loving, in the character and in the choice, in the volition of the one doing the loving rather than in the actions or the attitudes of the one being loved. Let me say that again. Agapao, agape love, is a love that's based in the character and the choice of the one doing the loving rather than in the attitude or the actions of the one being loved. This is what Jesus did. God demonstrated his agapao, his agape toward us in the while we were yet sinners. The Messiah, Christ Jesus, died for us. Not while we were seeking him, but while we were running away from him, he demonstrated his agape toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you see, this is much different than phileo, which has its root in pleasure. 
You can trace it back as far as you want to go, and it'll always have to do with fondness, likability. It will have to do with pleasure. In other words, I'll treat you well. I'll obey you as long as you treat me well, and you give me a reason to obey you. But if there's a moment that you displease me in a time when you do not do not give me pleasure and don't make me happy, I'll stop serving you. This is what the health and wealth boys are continually looking at. If God loves you, he's going to give you all these things. He's going to answer your prayer, your name it and claim it, all of this kind of thing. That's not the God of the New Testament. That's not the Christianity of the New Testament. But we have westernized and pasteurized this down to something that is not pure. And all I'm saying is that if you and I are going to be followers of Jesus and we're going to exhibit that we are followers of Jesus, we have to love people that are unlovable and unloving and unlovely. Because if we only love those who love us, if we only tend to those who tend to us, those who we care for, that care for us, those who wave at us, we wave back at them. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, if you do this, you do no more than lost people. What do you do more than the publicans, than those who are away from God? If you only salute those who salute you, why well, any lost person can do that. You see, the love of God gets us out of our comfort zone and causes us to love people on a regular basis that are unlovable, unloving. That doesn't mean we do things that are ungodly and tolerate evil. What it does mean that we love them enough to care for them and tell them the truth. Well, I hope that this helps you to understand something of the purpose of the Gospel of John, which was a good news track to share through signs and miracles and sayings that indeed Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. But first John is written to the children of God, all of us who claim to know God in a personal way, who say we're born again. It's time for us to understand that God wants us to bring our conduct up to what our confession is. He wants our life to show the love of God. He wants us to walk in righteousness, even as he is righteous. And God will bless us, and he will cause us to shine as bright lights in a dark and perverse world and nation in which we're living. I pray that you understand that we are in a time of warfare, and we must come to the battle prepared and armed with the great armor of God as is talked about in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Well, if we're on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.